Culture Classroom is supported by Laws and Learning, a nonprofit run by educators for educators with a mission to engage students, empower teachers, and transform schools. Through professional development conferences focusing on active learning, practical resources, and reflective teaching, including fishbowl classrooms, and a unique teacher-to-teacher -teacher consulting program, Laws and Learning is providing the authentic professional development your school needs. Visit them at lausannelearning.com today to find one of their active learning conferences near you and to learn more about changing education from the ground up. What's up, everybody? It's uh, episode three, riding the wave of momentum from uh, episode one and two of season two. John, it's been a wild ride the last three days. First of all, shout out to everybody who's now following us and retweeting us and, and spreading the message and uh, people giving us five-star reviews on our podcast. Super grateful that you find what Coach Weaver and I have to say valuable and uh, can't thank you enough for helping us keep the message going and influence more people. Yeah, man, when you told me in a text message it was Follow Friday, and you know, I, I had no idea what Follow Friday was, but now it's uh, turned into, I think we gained over 120 followers in two and a half days, I believe. Um, just it's spreading the content, uh, the the influence that we wanted to have at the beginning of the year in January, and now it, you're seeing that manifest in a, a product that people want to listen to. And man, I'm just we're blessed to see this thing getting off the ground and starting to grow some wings, and no telling where it's going to fly to. But it's it's fun. Um, I think we enjoy it, and uh, it's it's one of those things, JT, that. Um, the more people reach out to us and tell us what they want to hear, uh, I guess it's easier. It's as easy as it comes because, I mean, this is what we do every day. Well, and that's just it. It's authentic. You and I live it. We're not just researching concepts and then talking about them on the fly. You and I are in the trenches. And these other coaches that are following us, they're in the trenches. We're all looking for something to give us a comparative advantage. And, uh, we're just, I'm just grateful that people find what I have, to, what we have to say together valuable. No doubt. I mean, it literally, we had a phone call, a graphic, uh, an idea, our one word, and now we've turned into, uh, I don't want to say successful, but influence on people uh, across the nation. Well, there's no doubt we're climbing. And, uh, again, I, I don't feel like this is work. So I'll continue to do this with you because I enjoy the journey. I enjoy the ride. I know what you're doing is authentic. And, uh, I mean, it doesn't feel like work to me. This is what I really enjoy doing. Absolutely. We have a, a cool guest tonight all the way from Fayetteville, North Carolina, going to come in, um, has a published article in AFCA, and um, going to be some insight on how you get your kids recruited and what does that culture look like inside of a football program. Uh, and this can be applied to basketball, baseball, soccer, whatever. But Justin has an awesome uh, template that he uses. Um, there's four ideas that he talks about that he, he, he sees as his main contribution to their team. Uh, so it's going to be a fun interview when we get him in on the, uh, in the classroom today. Hey, well, let's get better together.
Dusty, in the classroom today, we're going to talk about creative tension. Now, you sent me a cool graphic uh, that you did with your master's, um, and I want you to tell our listeners more about what creative tension is, where it comes from, and how to apply it. All right, great. Uh, it's one of the things that I really liked right away in my master's program. One of the first classes I took, we talked about it. And basically, your job as a leader is to constantly have tension on the people that you're trying to lead. And if you look, think of it in terms of a pole that runs up and down on a page, at the bottom of the pole is your current reality. So take a quick snapshot of whatever that looks like in your life right now, no matter what you coach or what you teach or what you do in business, uh, what your current reality looks like, maybe with your team or your organization. At the top of the pole, then, is your vision where you want to take people, where you want to go, where you want to move the organization. And again, your vision should take years to accomplish. Most great leaders actually never really see their vision fully materialized. And then on that pole is a spectrum, and that's where the creative tension uh, is determined by you, the leader. And it's your job to know how much, when you need to press and put more pressure on your team, and when you need to back off and maybe alleviate some of that pressure uh, so that your team can grow. And Brad Stolberg has a really simple formula that kind of follows this, and it's stress plus rest equals growth. Mm. And, and I think that's what you're trying to do. The, the creative tension is stress that you're putting on others so that you can move the organization. Right. One of our, and I think this is going with our our football program right now is how we handle success versus adversity. And the current reality is we were doing pretty good last year, you know, undefeated, you know, the whole story. And then we get to the last regular season game and we're still trying to motivate these guys and the team wasn't as good, but we're, we're trying to motivate them. And how do you handle that success? So current reality was we're undefeated, number one in the state, just coming off beating uh, Jackson Prep. The vision was that we still want to win the state title. So that current, that creative tension, we were trying to model in practice, how do we handle the success, but yet tell our guys we haven't arrived yet, but they've beaten everybody they're supposed to, even teams out of uh, Briarcrest, out of Memphis. I mean, that was one of our deals. And now we're heading into that this season. How do we create that creative tension with our current reality is we have a lot of people coming back. Our vision is to climb, but now it's to get to the top. We've been climbing, so now it's to the top. So that's one of the struggles we have right now in our program. Uh, I just spoke to a, a soccer team last night with this same thing in mind. They're playing right now, actually, as we're recording, for a trip to the state uh, tournament in soccer. And uh, this team is a perennial tournament champion i mean they've been there they've never won the state tournament so it's almost exactly like where you are with your football program but they go to the state tournament every year they were runner-up the last couple of years and they're just trying to get to that summit exactly like what you're talking about and i shared with them last night i brought some creative tension they asked me to come speak their coach is uh, another teacher a leader that i have a lot of respect for we talk back and forth via text or phone call regularly and uh he asked me to come speak to the team last night and I brought a two-by-four that's eight feet long, and I put it on the ground. And I asked every one of the soccer players to cross that 
without touching the ground. And I didn't think about the potential of rolling an ankle before a big playoff <laughs> game. But luckily, everyone was able to successfully cross that board. And this is actually a strategy that I picked up from Jimmy Johnson, who did this when he was the Cowboys coach at their first Super Bowl. He did the same strategy, brought out a two-by-four, laid it on the ground. Everybody walked across it. Uh, and then, you know, then I asked the team, I go, well, now we're going to go up to the roof, and I'm going to put it on the roof, and we're going to cross this on the roof. And guys' eyes got real big, and they, they started to say, well, whoa, Coach Story, I mean, we're not going up to the roof. Like, there's no safety net. Someone's going to fall. You know, it's windy out yesterday. It's uh, springtime here in Iowa. Warm temperatures bring more wind. And, you know, all of a sudden, everyone was kind of panicking. And that's where you are at this point in the season, or that's where this team is anyway, Right. where your, your board on the building represents all the distractions that are happening in your life. And Jimmy Johnson, that was his point at the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is full of distractions. And if you've read anything on the Cowboys in the 90s, there wasn't a lot of team structure there. But basically it was you better be ready to play when you need to. And they went out and absolutely crushed the Bills. But I think it's a great example for high school kids to learn that it's easy to cross the board when it's on the floor, when there's no expectation, when you're going to fall an inch. But when that board is on the building, holy cow, it's a different ballgame. Yeah, you can also think of a rubber band. I think of tension. I think of rubber bands a lot. Um, you know, a lot of people probably wear rubber bands around their wrist for, like, if they cuss, they pop it, you know, to remind them to not cuss or to remember something. So, for me, it, and when you were putting this in your head, I was thinking about this, if there's a current reality of what we have and there's not enough tension on it, then there's little to no improvement that happens. So, it just kind of dangles there. Well, then, then you have the vision. And you said at the beginning that a lot of people, a lot of leaders don't even reach the full potential of that vision. But then think about if there's too much tension on it, JT. Then there's stress and possible doubt that enters the team, the coach, the player, whatever, because they, there's a vision that's supposed to be met and you can't reach it. So there has to be a happy medium of that creative tension that a coach doesn't push too hard. But yeah. yet there's not a... That when he has that vision, that he there's a it's almost like attainable goals. You know, you don't want to set a goal that's too lofty that you never reach it. Same thing with the tension. Yeah. You don't want to stress a vision so far out there that your kids press to have the result happen, but yet you don't want to underachieve and sell them short to where the rubber band's just kind of dangling. So there's a it's a happy medium. So coaches, if you're listening, it's <laughs> there's no easy way to have creative tension. But I think there's ways that you can create it within your program. Go ahead. Researchers actually call it the Goldilocks effect. So you don't want it to be, you don't want the porridge to be too hot or too cold. Mm -hmm. You want it to be just right. And I think as a coach, the only way you can gauge that is if you know your team. If It all goes back to that relationship piece. And, and then it's up to you as a leader to bring everybody along, however that looks for your team. The minute we got done with the board activity, I pulled out a little genie lamp. I mean, Aladdin came out in theaters yesterday. <laughs> I've got this great purple and gold decorative lamp that I ordered on Amazon for like 15 bucks. And we just passed it around. And I, you know, I got done and I said, look, there's no genie in this bottle. But I want you to think about a dream. What would you ask for if there was a genie in the bottle? And the message is that dream lives within you. 
whether you're working on it or it's dormant, it doesn't matter. If you want it, you can go make it happen. And I think that's, we sell ourselves short so often in society that, and I think that's another reason why people don't ever realize their potential. Yeah. I'll talk about our track team. In 2017, we weren't even supposed to win. And you talk about creative tension. I literally told our guys, JT, we're not going to win. We were sitting on the turf uh, right by the track. And it was two days before the meet. And I said, look, guys, we're, we're going to try and win the next. Uh, there's a like a dish, like, like a, there's a state championship. And then there's an overall. It's the craziest thing ever. Um, so we were going to play for the play and run and jump and throw for the D1 state championship. Well, I sat down with my team and I said, there's no way we're going to win. Now, that wasn't a tactic to say, hey, I need you to perform better. I literally thought that we couldn't perform as well as we needed to because of what we did that whole season. Little did I know that that motivated them. And they said, we won it in 2015. Why not win it again? So we go to the field event day and they, <laughs> they blow it out of the water. We're up by 24 points out of the field events going into Saturday's running. So here I am, the the best coach ever who told their team they're not going to win. <laughs> to now that they put themselves in a position to win. So now my creative tension for them is the vision was, hey, let's go compete the best we can. Instead of saying, all right, now we have a chance to win. You've done better than you've ever done this whole season. So that current reality was, we're not that good. Then in 24 hours, the current reality turned into, we could win this track meet. So then the vision well, changed. And we ended up winning, brilliant. and it was fun. Uh, it was one of the greatest ones. Uh, out, 2019, this one that we just won this past year was great. But 2017, we had no chance to win, and it came down to the mile relay. Uh, and those guys knew, without a doubt, what the vision was for our program was, we're always going to win or compete in the mile relay, which is the last race of the day, whether it's run at five o'clock in the afternoon or run at midnight um, at a track meet, we're going to run that and perform at our best. And that's what it took to win the meet. So they knew the vision, but the current reality constantly changed that week. And uh, ultimately we won it. So that was pretty cool. Well, and I think it comes down to Joshua Medcalf writes in Chopwood carry water about surrendering the outcome. When you tell your team, look, we're not going to win. You're surrendering the outcome. And I think athletes, at least 21st century athletes today, appreciate that. Like, totally takes the stress off of them. Whereas if you went the other way and said, okay, every, every race counts. we got to do our best. Like, you've got to win. You've got to place fourth or higher in every race. All of a sudden, how many times have we seen people crack and crumble because they aren't mentally prepared for that kind of pressure? Yeah, a lot of pressure put on. And you're, we're talking about high school kids. 16, 17, 18-year-olds uh, who have a lot of other stuff going on with social media, uh, girls or guys, whatever you coach, uh, homework, home life, and then say, hey, I need you to perform better than you've ever performed in this next race. I mean, things are things. I mean, a quarterback is only as good as his training. So I never want to tell a kid to go do better than you've ever done. Just do what your coach to do and give me your best effort. And if you can be satisfied with that as an individual, well, now you're going somewhere. So surrender the outcome and just do your best. 
John Perry talked about that in episode two. They're going to do their best. They're, yeah, they like winning, and they're going to celebrate it if they win. But surrender the outcome of whatever it is you coach and just say, hey, guys, girls, I want y'all to do the best that, you're, that you can do in this next race, in this next quarter, in this next play. That, that's it for me. Just give me your best. Yeah, and we'll deal with whatever comes our way. We'll deal with it as it happens. I mean, right. how many times in a game has it been third and three and I've lost yards on a run, you know? And then everyone after the game, well, why'd you, why'd you call that on third down? Well, damn it, I wanted to lose yards. You know what I mean? Right, that's what I was going like, for. I was hoping to put us in fourth and six. That's what I was going so, for. <laughs> and, and it's like, I mean – I fall into that pressure too. We do it to ourselves as coaches. And that's where if you can keep this visual in your mind and the rubber band is a great analogy. If you can keep that creative tension in mind and that rubber band and you're stretching and then you got to release it too. uh, I think that will help everybody as leaders. And then your kids should respond. And if not, if your kids don't respond after doing this for a while, well then you need to work on, on your tension. Then you need to go back and figure out what you're doing because they should respond uh, based on the pressure being added and released. Absolutely. Um, it's our job as coaches to do that. It's our job every day to know your players. So we go back to intentional relational leadership. If you don't know your players, then you don't even know how, how far you can stretch that rubber band. It's almost like you can use this rubber band as, uh, you know, when you were a little kid and you, you put on the end of your finger and you, re- you pulled it back and you pointed at somebody and they flinched. Yeah, you know, it, the farther you pull it back, the more they're going to flinch and and be scared of it. That's the same way your athletes are going to be. Yeah. So you can't. Well, I, I, go ahead. No, I think it goes back to a couple episodes. You talked about how you bought your kid Chick Fil A, or we're going to buy him Chick Fil A if they did whatever. Yeah. And the kid's like, really? And then you followed through on it, and all of a sudden, it's like, I mean, if that's what motivates your kids. That that's what we're after as leaders in the South. Chick Fil A's king. So go ahead. <laughs> oh no, it's it's spreading up here too. I mean, and I love Chick Fil A. Uh, it's a great place to eat. But I, I mean, I just think that's a great story. Is that you, you can put pressure on in different ways by rather than just saying, "Hey, go win this race." Yeah. Well, see, other guys know, and I'm speaking track terms, but there's only four guys that really run the mile relay for us on the high school team. Well, they were like, can, can we make a deal? I was like, well, what, what deal you want? You're the four that are going to run it at state, so what deal you want? Like, if I run the open quarter in this track meet, can he run this for me? I'm sure. But just know at the end of the year, when it comes down to it, you four are going to run it. So we typically have those four, and then the two alternates would uh, would sub in and whatnot. But, I mean, that's you can gotta, you got to give and take with your guys. So that goes back to that rubber band again, John. Just yeah, how much well, can you pull back, but yet you can't keep it stressed all the time, and then it gets weathered, and then it just pops. And that's what your kids will probably end up doing when you put too much stress on them. Well, in wrestling, you know, I know you're you're throwing out some track things, but it's fresh in your mind at the time of year where we are right now. And we both coach football, so there's lots of football analogies there. In wrestling, I do the same thing, though. A lot of our kids are not seedable in a tournament. And so they'll go out and they'll have to face the one or the two seed right away because they have losing records, and that's just how a tournament works. And it's like, I don't care. You're not going to beat that first kid. You're not going to beat the one or two seed. So who cares? Go out, do the best you can, try to score first, score last, go back to the skills that you're building, 
but then you've got to win the second one. You can't be two and barbecue. Right. So you, you can't let that first match beat you twice. Right. And you see so many kids do that today. And you see so many coaches that they get defeated on whatever it is. So maybe they couldn't reach a kid. They can't motivate them when they give up. Well, then now it turns into they can't motivate the whole team. And then they second-guess themselves of even coaching. Well, then you have it, it, it goes on to the football field. Or it goes into track. It goes into swimming. It goes into golf to where you're going to fail. But failing is growth. Just understand that. <laughs> when you fail, there yeah. is growth. you got to learn from it, just like your kids do. Coaches have to learn from it. So that's one thing well, we're going through they- right now. And maybe you need to change your vision. Yeah. That's one of the lessons I learned by, my, with my master's program was that my concept of winning was wrong. My uh, win-at-all-cost, you know, kind of approach to the game, like you're going to do what I said because this is how I did it, and I've seen football at every level, including the NFL, and so you better fall in line with what I say. It's wrong. So if you're one of those coaches, and I don't think our listeners fall into that trap. No. But – you need to really change your vision and your expectations. And, and again, your vision is not what you're going to accomplish this year. It should be about what you're going to accomplish over the course of your career or right. 20 years from now. Right. Well, you talk about the NFL. Current reality in 2005, I was the number nine punter in the nation for Division Two. My vision, Woo! punting NFL. <laughs> Current reality today, 38 and coaching high school football and loving every minute of it. Vision is to be the best coach for my kids and the best dad, um, for my, my the best dad uh, for my kids at home, and my wife, and to coach every kid that I come in contact with, just like they were my own kids. I mean, I think it's amazing, Coach. And uh, when I was with the Forty ers that was my job pregame and at halftime was to come out and warm up with the punters, and I had to field all the balls that they kick. And you know, those NFL punters, the, the ball goes out of the stadium lights and back in. And I'm in the corner of the end zone, and there are just a whole bunch of drunken fans who just <laughs> would love to see you muff punt. And uh, you talk about creative tension. There's a whole lot there to be like, oh, don't mess this up. Oh, yeah. Creative tension happened with me at Clark Atlanta. They were asking me to punt directionally. And uh was not a strong suit. And uh, I had like six punts. I was supposed to go right for six. Two of them went right. The other ones went right down the middle of the field. And then um, I tell the kids the story, like, yeah, I tried out for the NFL in 2005. Like, how'd that turn out? I was like, well, I'm your coach today. How do you think it turned out? (laughs) (laughs) So your current reality and your vision constantly change. And I think it's uh, imperative for coaches to evaluate themselves. Uh, Even this summer, as you get started into summer workouts and what makes your team tick, what makes them go because you think about it we're less than 100 days away from kickoff you know and you gotta motivate these guys to a get in the weight room b uh, seven on seven is going to be happening uh what's your current reality and what is your creative tension as a coach to maybe just the vision is to the first game you know your vision isn't on week 14 it's on week one or maybe it's current reality is we start Monday or Tuesday since it's Memorial Day, and the vision is how can I motivate my team between now and next practice or a week from now. So I think it constantly has to be adjusted. 
Absolutely. And I think that's why our, our listeners are following us and paying attention to what we're saying, because, you know, we're all looking for ways to get better. And it's one of the reasons I really enjoyed this time that we share together. We have uh, a cool guest about to join us um, all the way from Fayetteville, North Carolina. He reached out to us um, via DM and uh, just did some research on him, JT. And this guy's had an article published in AFCA. Uh, he has had um, other things to where he has coached in college. He is the same thing as me, except now he's the recruiting coordinator and he's the passing game coordinator and wide receiver coach um, for his high school. And um, it's pretty neat. Justin Grand Grandinetti, I believe is his name, uh, is how it's pronounced. We'll ask him when he gets on how you pronounce his last name. Uh, talked to him last night, but he's, he's at Jack Britt High School. Uh, they're the Bucks, and he's got a cool acronym for Bucks. So I'm excited about getting him on the show, and I'm about to give him a call here now. Hey, that's great. I can't wait to hear about the creative tension he brings to his program uh, on a daily basis or regularly as well. Can't wait to get better, Coach. Justin, thanks for joining the show tonight. Uh, pretty pumped up about having you on uh, the Culture Classroom. And, uh, man, we looked at this article and AFCA, so we're going to get into that a little later. But give us your background on uh, why maybe you coach football. Uh, when did you get into education and uh, just some of the background? I saw you coached uh, in college as well at some point at Pace yes, University. Sir. So uh, give us your um, your background. Absolutely. Um, I took a little bit of, I guess, an unconventional way. Uh, out of high school, uh, I really was focused on just wanting to do the academic side. I, my goal I, or my dream was to just own a business. That's what I always wanted to do. So out of high school, I kind of just decided to focus mainly on academics. But before even getting to my first semester in college, uh, a buddy of mine was uh, coaching a JV team, and he had asked if I just wanted to help out. So uh, I was like, cool, you know, sure, I, I'd love to. Um, so I kind of helped out on the offensive side of the ball just for like the summer. And, um, you know, fast forward a few years later, I'm, I'm at Pace University and, and um, you know, they were looking for coaches. And that same friend of mine, um, I actually reached out to him because I'm like, hey, man, like, you know, they're, they're looking for coaches. I think you would be great. I don't know what you're doing right now, but I could talk to the AD like I'm cool with him. And, and you know, I at least get you an interview. And, um, you know, he ends up interviewing and getting the job. And uh, ironically enough, he, he calls me you know, later on, like a few weeks before they're starting training camp. And I guess their, their wide receivers coach uh, took a different job. So they were looking for someone to fill the spot. It was so late. And he's like, look, I mean, you know, would you be willing to, would you be interested? And at the time, like the only coaching experience I really had was, was, uh, you know, that, that little JV summer. So I'm like uh, a little, you know, I was a little nervous at first, but I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm all for a challenge. And um, I'm, willing to learn as much as possible. So I end up getting the wide receivers job at Pace University in, in 2008. And uh, I coached there the following season full-time as the running backs coach and special teams coordinator. And, and through those two years being full-time, I, I put in a lot of time in, in the office 
just coaching around some dudes with a lot way more experience than I had. So uh, I, I took it to it like a sponge. I just I, I just soaked up as much as possible from from every single coach on there, both sides of the ball, um, from all different aspects, X's and O's wise. You know, dealing with um, you know players, dealing with uh, you know administration stuff like that, uh, recruiting obviously. Um, so I just I, I went full force and and I learned a ton and. Um, the head coach at the time got let go after the 09 season. So um, it was kind of in limbo. I went back home to Long Island, um, originally from Long Island, New York. And uh, I started just, you know, I was working, just working. And, you know, I wanted to stay in football because I'm like, man, I really started to love it. Like, I'm like, man, I, I'm, I'm really passionate about it. So uh, I started just, you know, I, I'd ask if, you know, some high schools, if I could kind of volunteer. And um, my buddy ended up getting the, the head job at Pace. And uh, I ended up helping him as, on a voluntary basis for the next four years. So in total, I was involved with Pace football for six years, which was a lot of fun. And like I said, the, the experience that I, I had there, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of success. And, and I'm, I'm so happy to see them doing uh, really well now. It's awesome. Um, at the time, we just, you know, we, we weren't getting the wins. But, you know, for me personally, I could say I, I learned so much. I mean, there were some fantastic coaches there with, you know, not only FBS experience, but pro level experience. And um, for me, like it really jump started my passion in this and, and, and got me to where I am now. Um, the head coach that, that ended up got, getting the job, uh, Chris Dablito is, is, is one of my mentors when it comes to football um, and just life in general. And um, he, you know, him alone, he taught me so much. And like I said, the staff that he put together was tremendous. So um, did that for, for a while. And I was, I was helping out on Long Island of Bayshore High School uh, for a bit and just, you know, doing that. And when I moved down to North Carolina, I knew I, I didn't know, you know, where I was going to be working. But I was like, I know one thing. I, I want to coach football. So um, I did my due diligence and I, I, I put together a manual at the time. I was really into coaching running back. So I put together a running back manual and I was like, whenever I get this interview, I'm ready. So I just reached out to. Um, all different athletic directors and head coaches in the area. And I stopped in a few schools. And when I got into uh, Jack Britt, where I'm currently at, it just, it just felt right when I walked in. And uh, that was, you know, that was really like 2000, 2000, late, uh, 2014, early 2014, like that winter. And I've been there since. I've been there since. So it's, it's been a tremendous uh, journey. And I, I plan on doing this for a long time. That's great. Um... You know, I, as soon as you said at Pace University the wins didn't come, JTI automatically went to surrender the outcome and how you just embraced learning and you coached those kids up hard. And uh, the wins just – they came later after you had gone. But the seed had been planted, the, probably the work ethic had been planted. Um, I'm also impressed with your, your due diligence of not just learning the X's and O's where a lot of coaches, when they get in a situation like that, they want to learn as many X's and O's when those are probably third on my list, if not fourth on football, yeah. um, football IQ for me is it, my, my first one's all about relationships and how much can I absorb from people on maybe administrative stuff, relationship stuff, and probably, uh, keep an order of like how to manage a team or manage, uh, a program, so to speak. So that was awesome, uh, to hear how you kind of, took the reins a different way. So yeah, it definitely was unconventional, but, uh, 
very, very impressed with, with how you got started. Hey, the two themes that I heard there that I think are really important for other coaches to hear are the hunger. You had a hunger to succeed and a, and a drive. And as you're tell, talking about not getting paid, working, you know, kind of a glamorous job, like, oh, I'm a position coach at a college from the outside. But when you're actually in it, it reminded me a lot of what GAs do, where it's a lot of film and it's a lot of, like, just just dog work that has to be done. And uh, you're not getting paid anything, and the hours are really long. And then I appreciate the hustle that you had moving to another part of the country getting your resume out to anybody who's willing to, t- to listen or take it. Uh, I think those two things are what give you drive or credibility now that you've established yourself as a coach. No, absolutely. Um, and it's, and it's funny too, because like when I got that job at pace, you know, I was a position coach and of course, like they had GAs lined up, but you know, I, I once again, I, I didn't really have a ton of experience. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to just do everything the GA does and I'm going to work with the GA like primarily like I'm going to do everything that that he's got going on and I'm going to put as much work in because that's the best way I'm going to learn I remember sitting in the head coach's office I mean you know cutting up film where you know we cut like DNFing like it was you know cutting you know starting and stopping it kind of deal and tagging it I mean all that stuff where I'd be you know with the offensive staff and I mean we're breaking down film uh, by hand and I'm the one writing everything down but I'll tell you this like doing that really helped me retain all the information. I mean, to get into a playbook that was pretty extensive with a lot of formations and, and motions alone, you know, I, and I tell my guys, I tell my players this now, I mean, for me, what helped me was like writing it down. I remember sitting there, you know, with the, with the formations and I would just, I would draw it like 10, 20 times until I couldn't get it wrong. And yeah, I mean, it, it took time and I, and I dedicated a lot of time and it was long days um, in that office and, and, you know, just long days period, but it was worth it to me. Um, I, I love it. I, I've never been a complacent type, you know, I'm always looking to learn more. So, um, you know, any, anybody who's willing to teach me, I'm all for it. And if I can give back in the same way, you know, you know, I got you. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of work, but totally worth it. Well, coach going into your AFCA article, um, as I read it, I think I read it twice, I read it once, last night and I read it again today and pulled two things out of it uh, that stuck out to me but um, one of them was your position and what you feel you're responsible for those four things you feel responsible for so I'll say this at our school we have guys we have 42 schools or 43 schools uh, from division one all the way to junior college come through our campus uh, this spring Uh, the current left tackle at LSU, Sadiq Charles played for us. The current or the former uh, starting center for Ole Miss, Sean Rawlings, played for us. We have a guy playing at Old Dominion right now. We have a guy going to Navy. So we have those big schools come through. Washington State just came through Thursday and looked at our quarterback. Um, so we, similar to y'all, have Jack Britt probably has a bunch of people that come through looking for talent. So. How do you distinguish, you know, guys, and you, you said you're a recruiting coordinator. What does yes, that sir. look like inside a day-to-day operation with you? And then talk about the sure. four things that you're mainly responsible for with your program. Sure. So, um, you know, part of my – so the day-to-day operation – actually, let me backtrack. 
the, originally, you know, I had reached out to our head coach in regards to becoming the recruiting coordinator because, number one, um, I just feel like or felt like one of the things that is sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes lacking is just the, the understanding of the recruiting process from the student athlete and their parents. I always thought that was something that, you know, they didn't have a firm grasp on unless you actually been in it before trial by fire kind of deal, or you did your research on your own. So I wanted to make sure that my, our kids were fully prepared and their parents were fully prepared for the recruiting process and they can handle it the best way possible to give themselves um, the greatest opportunity of, of playing at the next level if that's what they wanted to do. So when I reached out to our head coach in regards to that, um, you know, I put together a little PowerPoint just to kind of present, and this is what I was going to do. And, um, you know, that was one of the main things was like, hey, you know, I want to educate them on the process. So that was, that was first and foremost. So um, what I do, what, basically what I do is I kind of, um, you know, I, I bridge that gap in a sense. You know, I make sure our guys are prepared, um, you know, for that opportunity. Web coaches, camps, um, visits things like that, and then I also prepare the, the college coaches and make sure they have everything going on, too. So uh, part of my day-to-day operations really is, you know, I first of all, I have, um, you know, our, our prospect list put together. And uh, I, I originally started just kind of doing it like separate lists. So I'll have like class of uh, 2020, class of 20. So then I ended up putting it on, on one spreadsheet and just kind of broke it down by class. And on that is just all their – all their general information, you know, the stuff that they're going to ask for, height, weight, position. Um, we do a projected level, and uh, that was something that um, one of the uh, one of the coaches that have, that came through our school one year um, had suggested to me because I had showed it to him, and he's like, "Man, this is great." I was like, "Do you have any suggestions?" He's like, "A projected level would help." So we started doing that. Then contact information um, and links links to their highlights. So making sure all that stuff is prepared. Um, and then what I'll do is I'll, I'll send that out. Uh, I'll send that out to different coaches in the area and, and all over. You know, we, uh, I think, do a, a pretty good job at Jack Britt uh, at getting our guys out there. I mean, just this year alone in this 2020 class, we have, you know, a linebacker going to California. We got another linebacker going uh, out to Kansas. We already have one out in Missouri. Our quarterback's going to Kentucky. So um, we have different different. Uh, places that we're sending guys and our guys are open to that, which is great. So I will, you know, during the off season, I'll take my time and I'll, I'll send out emails to just different coaches all over the place. And sometimes I'll literally, you know, go on like say d2football.com and I'll just go through, um, I'll go through by conference and just send it to the coaches by conference. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little tedious, but you know what? Like my thing is, if I send it out to, you know, a hundred people across the country that we don't really have a, a grasp on because they're not around us and one person gets back to me, I mean, that's, that's still good. So I'm willing to take that chance to give our guys a better opportunity. So uh, between that, reaching out to schools, and then, of course, when they come in, just making sure I'm, I'm, I'm fully prepared um, or, or, you know, as a program we're fully prepared as far as, you know, we break down uh, – we break down – you know, our guys academically. So when, when coaches come in, we can give them not only their weighted GPA, but their core GPA. Um, we keep tabs of our guys' test scores, obviously. Um, we have transcripts available. So when the coaches come in, I mean, it's all set. You know, we started putting together folders for, for coaches when they came in. So literally, 
you know, if I know a, if I know a school is coming in and say they're an FCS school, you know, I'll, I'll put our, you know, I'll, I'll get, um, you know, our prospect list on there and it'll be highlighted with the guys that are, you know, we feel like can play at that level. And then inside that, that pro, that folder is just the information on those set players. So they come in, um, I give, you know, I give the, the front office people the heads up. So it's like, you know, they feel welcome and greeted. I think that's important because at the end of the day, you guys know uh, probably just as well as I do, if not better, uh, whether it's with your players or other coaches, coaches at the next level, it's all about building relationships. Oh, so so uh, we, we, yeah, we, um, we really stress that, uh, that part about building relationships. So not only on our end as coaches dealing with college coaches and, and the recruiting process, but you know what, for the players too, when you're being recruited, man, build that relationship with these guys. You know what I mean? Contact them. If, if you go to a, a spring spring practice, for instance, introduce yourself to the, uh, you know, to the position coach, man. Start building that up now um, so that later on, you know, there, there's something there's something already established. And I, to me, it's only positive. Right. Well, I have a question about you have the, the projected play, like where the kids would go. Do y'all have yes, input, do the kids have input on that of saying, hey, coach, I think I want to go D2, which obviously everybody wants to go Division One. Uh, how do you sure. handle that as a coaching staff of maybe handle a kid that isn't really D1 but yet wants to go D1? How do y'all handle that situation? Absolutely. Um, you know, we we just we believe in, in being honest with, with the kids, you know what I mean? Like, And once again, this is, this is a projection, so it's our opinion as coaches. But, you know, we've, we have guys that have, have played for a while and, and, and have experienced, you know what I mean, and have been at that certain levels that they know what to look for. Now, of course, we're not any, you know, experts or anything like that, but you know what, we can offer at least our projections. So, yeah, sometimes there's, there's certain conversations that you have to have with, with, with kids. I mean, not really, honestly, not too often from what I've had to deal with. Um, you know, they respect our opinion, and, you know, and, and we go from there. But at the same time, you know, if we have, say, like, um, you know, if we have a, a kid who's projected Division Two, for instance, you know, when, I'm, when we're giving our, our spiel about, you know, picking the right camps, you know, one of our suggestions is, you know, hey, all right, you're, you may be a D2 player, you know, get your D2 camps in, but you also go for one we feel like it's good to, so say I pick two D2 camps. I may go to one above me as, like, my reach school. Hey, so I go to a, a Division One camp, cool. And then I go to a fallback at D three. So now you're you're covering your bases anyway. Right. You know, so sometimes those guys will go to those camps, say the Division one camps, and you really kind of see, all right, this is what it, these are what Division one athletes look like, and they can kind of base it there. Their parents are there too, so um, you know, it gives you a firsthand look on can I can I handle this level? Am I at this level, or were the coaches' projections right? You know, we're not perfect by any means. Um, we do our best. To you know, to be as honest as possible and, and give the best outlook, you know. But that you know, no one says that. Hey, you know, a kid could go to a uh, you know, we have him projected at D two. All of a sudden, he goes to a, a Division one FCS camp and really rocks it, you know. And, and dude, that would be awesome. Right. <laughs> That'd right. be awesome. Uh, it's just the coaches on our end uh, that have the input on the projections. Talk talk about your role with the parents uh, because I think. Sure. Our listeners out there, that's a huge frustration right now with the 21st century athlete is you almost have to coach the parent the same way you're coaching the kid because who knows what message getting outside of the program. Uh, tell me about how you kind of keep parents on your good side. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. So uh, first and foremost, 
we will hold a recruiting meeting and uh, you know it's it's in you know it's open to the athletes and the parents and in that recruiting meeting we go down uh we 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 present a powerpoint to them that has uh basically breaks down the recruiting process for the most part um we talk about you know what what the uh what the athletes are required to do we 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 talk about what the coaches so as as high school coaches, what we're required to do, um, and then what the parents are required to do. So we break it down. Um, we talk about the you know the different aspects of it. We'll even have two of our guidance counselors come in. One talks about the financial aid aspects, so all the FAFSA and things like that. The other one talks about the eligibility center. So we're covering all the bases. So I think right off the bat, when we go through all that stuff, and the parents are seeing, wow, like you know they're they're kind of on top of their stuff. You know, and they're really doing a lot to make sure, like, our kids are, are getting the best opportunities. Um, it it kind of eases a lot of, say, maybe maybe future tension because they know, like, the kids are being taken care of. You know what I mean? So that off the bat helps. And then for me personally, you know, um, and the rest of the coaches as well, you know, we will constantly, um, you know, be open for the parents, if they have any questions, so it's it's always like an open door thing. Like you know, they know with me. I mean, being the recruiting coordinator, obviously, I'm at the you know, I kind of uh, head everything um, in a sense. So whether it's myself or the head coach, I mean, you can reach out to us and ask us any questions um, whenever you feel like it. And you know, sometimes there are some some um, honest conversations with them. And I have like for me, guys, I don't know. I mean, I have no problem doing that. Once again. Um, I build relationships with the parents as well, you know, just like the other coaches. So it's like when those, when those relationships are there, we can maybe have um, a quote unquote more difficult conversation um, at times. That it's, and it's not, there's not that, that tension there because of the relationships we have. So they understand, like they see it, they see the work that we're putting in um, for our guys. And they know that, you know, uh, you know, our, our kids are in good hands. Not only are they being, um, and here's a big, here's a big one that they love is the fact that you know one of my, I guess one of my my duties as uh, the uh, recruiting coordinators, I monitor, you know, I, I monitor the grades. So I'm checking these guys' grades on a weekly basis. So whenever you talk about academics, the parents perk up and they're like, they start clapping and and the kids are, <laughs> are like rolling their eyes or shaking their heads. You know what I mean? So um, you know that alone <laughs> it certainly helps. Absolutely. So knowing that academics comes first and we happen to be very blessed to be at a school that's one of the higher academic schools in the area um they know that their 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 student athletes academics comes first all the time yeah that's like two so of that our kids. Alone, yeah two of our kids this past year you spoke about academics our uh, our senior gp uh, act score was like 25.98 um wow yeah it was pretty high so our our valedictorian was our middle linebacker who's going to play at Mississippi College, a Division II school. Our, our salutatorian is our left guard who's going to Navy. Wow. So, you know, you speak high on academics and you're just like that. I mean, if, if parents are, you say the word academics, their ears perk up and you say, oh, and then they can get go play football. Oh, and then academics is going to pay some of that. And my kid doesn't have to yeah. pay. And you know about the D2 scale and how they only have a certain amount of scholarships, but. The, yes, relation, the relationship building, Justin, is huge, uh, not just for the athlete. Where 10 years ago, coaches wouldn't even say a word to a parent, like, hey, don't even step on the practice field. Where now, you better be welcoming them in, 
you know, having so you can have those tough conversations of saying, hey, um, you know, Joe has the potential to go to Colorado, but, you know, he, he's really only looking at going into, you know, Austin Peay. So, um, right. you know, those things like that. But, um, you know, the relationship building is huge, especially um, with JT and I. We talk about relationships and how you build those relationships every day. And what I would say about that, so it's kind of like that relationship umbrella where you kind of run this thing, like your animal, you evolve so because of all the work that you do. But think about all the relationships you have to have in order to get recruited. You got to have a relationship with the player, you got to have the players involved, you got the guidance counselors involved, you got the universities involved, you got your administration and coaches that you're for all. I mean, you have to be really good at building relationships with all walks of life that's in the position that you've got. Absolutely. And, you know, it's just, it's just how it happens. Like I just, I've always been that type of person. Like I'm a very outgoing person. I, I like making connections. So like to, to be able to, you know, and I'm, I, I love talking to people. So uh, to be able to build relationships with all, like you said, at all different, on all different levels, whether it's a student, you know, student athlete, you know, the, 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 the assistant coaches, the, the college coaches, the guidance counselors, the teachers, things like that. I mean, it's, it's always been something that I've enjoyed. So I just, I, I use, I use it to my advantage. I mean, I've, I've been good at it, you know, and that's, I mean, not to sound any way, like I'm just confident in my ability to, to, uh, you know, really connect with somebody and build relationships. And I use that to our advantage to help our kids out, you know, so, um, that's something that I've always loved to do, you know, so that certainly, I mean, go ahead. So as a, as a published author, I know how hard it is to, uh, you know, to get your work to a, a high level and to get it polished and then to have it in print so that it's out there for the world to judge. And, uh, the AFCA would not have published you or your work if, it, if there wasn't a lot of merit behind it. So, uh, have a lot of respect for what you're saying. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. Um, it was, like I said, uh, one of the really, really, really cool opportunities I've ever had in my life, and I'm still incredibly grateful for it. Uh, I'm reading this thing on your on your uh, your article, and it it's about thank you letters. So, oh yeah, I write thank you letters. I say thank you, good luck letters to my players every week. So you write letters to every coach that comes into your program to recruit one of your kids. Yes, sir. Um, it's, it's a, <laughs> it takes some time. You got it some writers. Some I bet you get writers cramped. <laughs> oh, no doubt. And, um, I actually, uh, <laughs> I, I recently, and I'm still like, I'm in the process of doing them now. Um, I've sent out a few, but, uh, I have a, I have peer helpers during some of my classes and my first period peer, peer helper. Uh, she was awesome. I had her just, uh, write down the, the, the coaches' names and the addresses on the envelope. So that was one less thing I had to do. But That's right. um, the, the the letters itself, you know, that comes from me. I would never have someone else do that, nor would I ever type it up. Um, once again, the, the the coach that I was I was with at Pace, uh, Chris Dapolito, uh, told me this a long time ago, and I mean it's very true. But just a handwritten letter just means more. You know, it actually takes time out to do that. You know what I mean? They they see that as you know you gave more effort. So I believe um, that's always a phenomenal thing to do because it shows that, you know, like I said, you're taking the time out um, and giving the effort to just 
say thank you for, for them stopping by. I mean, they're just doing their job essentially, right? But we are incredibly grateful because no one says that they have to stop by our school. That's right. You know, yeah, we have some, some really talented student athletes, no doubt about it. And I believe just about every school in the country should stop by because I believe in our student athletes that much. But no one says you have to. So the fact that they're willing to take time out of their schedule um, and their busy day, especially like on the road recruiting, I mean, you know, every stop is crucial. Every, every minute is crucial. I want to just say, hey, you know what, thank you. So I'll write a letter. And it's always, you know, it's always personalized as far as, like, I'm not just writing the same generic response. I don't believe in that, you know. So, yeah, sometimes you got to, you know, sometimes you write a little more, sometimes you write a little less, whatever, whatever. But um, it's, to me, it just, it, it goes a long way. Um, I, had a, I had a coach that um, I wrote one for, and I saw him at the Glacier Clinic, and I was excited to hear him speak. And he was like, he's like, hey, coach. He's like, hey, man, you know, I just want to, I want to thank you for that letter, man. That was awesome. And, like, to me, that just made me feel so good, like, for him to even remember that and to say that to me. And I was like, well, you know, that's exactly why I'm doing it. So, yes, I'll take the time out, and I'll write the letters out, and I will thank them um, for coming to our school. And, and, you know, obviously we look forward to having them back. And then, you know, once again, we'll actually send out more letters closer to, like, the season, like towards the end of summer, and we'll include – We'll include our uh, our schedule in there just in case, like, a coach can, you know, if he can come down and make a game or something like that. And we wish him luck. We wish him the best of luck on the season. Right. Well, that's, Coach, that's great. Yeah. JT, it sounds like uh, Justin has intentional relational leadership going on at Jack Britt High School. Oh, for sure. And, hey, don't discount the work that you're doing, teaching kids how to handwrite letters or address envelopes. We talk about 21st century skills in education. Well, that's a 20th century skill that kids don't even know about it. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> well, no doubt. It's funny. You got you to go, go through things like that with them uh, sometimes. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> like even, like I'll, have, I'll have kids in my class and I, you know, they'll ask for, say, paper sometimes. So I'll say, hey, you know, go to the printer and just grab a couple pieces out. You don't know how many times a kid has walked over there and grabbed out of the wrong compartment. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I forgot. Like, you don't really have to teach that stuff. And it's yeah. funny. It's they, funny. They, work in, they work in uh, 180 characters, and if they can put a, a picture <laughs> on something. So anything outside of that realm, they're they're lost. So they, uh, they need you badly. Uh, and uh, we appreciate everything you're doing at Jack Britt, Coach. Uh, before we get off, uh, you know, we talked about creative tension and sure. you know, the current reality with your team versus the vision that you want to take them to. What are some ways that you create uh, creative tension with your wide receivers at Jack Britt? Absolutely. So, oh, oh, sure. Uh, which one? Which, you want me to start with that or do you want the creative tension one? Well, when I think when I think of vision, I mean I think of like that acronym, what it stands for, your core values, like the principles that you that you instill in your kids every day, and then tell us about ways that maybe you you help reach that vision. Sure. So um, you know the Bucks thing is something that we created um, just solely based on we wanted to you know we wanted to put some graphics together, kind of like you know consistently. I think you know building yourself up, like, especially like building a page up or something on social media, you know, you got to be consistent with where you post. So people like look forward to stuff. So, um, I know a million and one people post, you know, motivational quotes and things like that. Um, so I kind of went with, you know, we, we went with that same, um, in that same Avenue, uh, you know, but we created an acronym to go along with it. So 
you know, we're the Buccaneers. So for those for those posts, um, Bucks, B-U-C-S, and it just stands for building up community spirit. You know, we look to just, you know, get these these uplifting quotes, these motivational quotes out there to start someone's day. We, we, we sometimes post it once a day in the morning or maybe, you know, once in the morning, once in the evening. Um, so if someone could just look at it and be like, man, like, that's awesome. Like, that, that kind of gets me going. And they can kind of just feel better about themselves for the day or whatever the case would be. I, you know, sometimes you never know who, who just needs to see or, or read something uplifting. And, uh, you know, for us to be able to do that, you know, and, you know, we maybe don't have a hundred people looking at it, but I mean, even if one person looks at it and gets a, you know, likes it, um, that, you know, it's pretty awesome. So, uh, we love, we love doing that. We love giving back to the community. We love, you know, keeping a positive atmosphere and, and, and energy. Um, we're all about pushing each other. Like a lot of the quotes, uh, lately, it seems like are just about, you know, continue to push and, uh, you know, never give up and, and, uh, just, you know, whatever you get knocked down and just keep going. I, we're, we're big on that. Um, I know, our, you know, the receiver group, for instance, uh, one of my main focuses this spring was literally uh, I really wanted to build up the mental toughness of the position. Um, I believe if you have that mental toughness edge, you know, that's a huge that's a huge advantage to have um, in the game of football. And I, I, I feel like especially at the high school level. So to do that, uh, one of the things that, you know, I, I tend to do is one of the things, you know, we don't jog out there. So, like, if, if we're going through a line of drills, if I have our guys doing catching drills and, you know, receiver catches the pass and he tosses it back to me and he's jogging back and he has to jog all the way until we get back to the very end of the line. Um, if he even pulls up, you know, early and starts to walk, I mean, we may get right into up-downs right then and there just so we can kind of build that. You know what I mean? I, I You know, it's I don't ask for a lot, but, but little things like that, I'm big on effort. I think effort is always huge. If, if you constantly give, if you give, you know, relentless effort, great things will happen. Um, that's one of the things. Another thing we started really doing, which I liked, um, we just condition. You know, I, I think conditioning is good, but what I do, guys, is, like, we'll do, say, half gases at the end of practice. And um, there's been a few times where I've had our guys line up and I say, you know, we're going we're gonna to do our half gases. You let me know, you let me know when you're done. I don't, I don't give them a number. I don't, I don't say, Hey, you got to get, you know, six in, you got to get 10 and you got to get 20. I say, you let me know when you're done. And I have, I usually have like the first time I did it. And uh, one of our assistant coaches, also our wrestling coach uh, gave me the idea. And uh, I had a number in my head and they, they just got to it. So the number in my head was, was 10. I guess I was reaching high, but I'm like, man, if they can get 10, you know, I'll, I'll be happy. So we get to eight they're still going. Some of the guys are, are struggling a little bit, but um, they get to nine, and I'm like, okay, like this is this is pretty good. They get to ten, and I'm like, cool. Like I'm thinking, they may be thinking, hey, ten's a round number. We can just stop there. <laughs> they ended up going to about. They ended up going to about four. I think they went to fourteen, and um, some of the guys were still like, let's go. And then a couple of them were like, uh, you know. So I called them up, and uh, you know, they said uh, one of my the group leaders was like, hey. Coach, I, you know, I think we're going to stop there. So I'm like, you know what, that's, that's, I'm thinking, like, that's cool. That's fine. So I blow the whistle. I, I tell them to come up, and um, I'm talking to them for, like, a split second. And before they could even, like, catch their breath, I'm like, all right, right back on the line, one more. And they, and they did it, and they busted it out. And I, and I brought them up at the end, and I explained to them, first of all, that I was very impressed that they, they made that much because I, the number in my head they exceeded. But more importantly, I, I, I painted out 
the, you know, the, the lesson that we taught them where, you know, certain things just fly at you sometimes. Like, you, you know, things just change out of nowhere, and you have to be able to be, you know, willing to, to react and change with it. So, yeah, you know, you thought you were done, but um, we threw a wrench in the mix. Let's see how you react to it. You know what I mean? Can you handle that? And um, that was the, that was the main lesson in that. And you know what? They they took it they took it really well. They took it really well. I've I've done that actually another time. Um, and I went a little further where we actually uh, we we brung it up and and they I want to say they even got on a knee and oh no we brought it up and uh, I talked to them for a few and then we went to go break it down and I'm like one more rep on three one more rep on three and they're like what <laughs> and we got right back on the line they got right back on the line. They did it, and uh, I'll tell you this: since I've done that, um, our this group has gone up um, every single time we've done that conditioning. They've done more and more reps every time. Well, and the, uh, you know, if anything, we're gonna be we're gonna be in shape. I'll tell you that. The, the college kicker and me. Uh, if you give me that number, I'm going two, and uh, we're done, coach. <laughs> I, I'm done. Two. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> hey, I was impressed. Right. I. I I t- and I told them I was very impressed with them. Um, it was great. It's a, it's a great example of creative in the fact of, okay, you guys pick what conditioning level you want. You set the expectation right. and the tone for, for how we're going to finish practice. And then the tension part of, oh, one more. You know, after they go above and beyond what you had in your mind already established. And I think that's really powerful. Uh, and the more kids that can buy into that and don't groan about it and that mental toughness piece and can get back on the line, that's all we want, right? We just want kids to get back on the line day after day, week after week, year after year. That's, I mean, that's what that's what happens in a game. You know, we could be up, all of a sudden it's good, we're up two scores, and then you blink and, and we're down a point. How are you going to react? You know, it's fourth quarter, you're down one. Um, after After holding the lead the entire game, and now you got to fight back. So what are you going to do? You know, are you going to just pack it in because, hey, it's late in the game and, and, you know, this just this everything just changed and I don't know how to handle it? Or are you going to say, you know what, I'm going to buckle down, um, I'm going to continue to fight, and I'm going to finish this thing strong and give max effort and whatever happens, happens. You know, let's, let's go out swinging. Um, that's what I want to see every single time. So, like I said, whether it's doing conditioning like that or we'll break out, like, the, the regular car tires, and they'll just do like one-on-one tug of war, and yeah, we're fatigued. Like you're, you know, you're going to be fatigued, but you got to. I mean, that's that's the fourth quarter, though. You're going to be tired. You're going to be uh, mentally exhausted, physically exhausted. Let's keep fighting. Let me see that. So they've done a they've done a great job this spring. Uh, we're going to continue to do that in the summer, and uh, we'll see what happens. I, I'm I'm feeling very good about it. I'm confident, and I, I like I said, I'm just really proud of those guys for for how hard they've been working. When you have kids holding you know, their teammates accountable. I think that's always a sign of, of a strong culture. I think I, case, you know, it's a lot of times I, I think it's difficult for, for guys, especially um, if they're friends with certain kids to, to call people out or hold them accountable. You know what I mean? That's my boy, whatever. They don't want to step on any toes. That. Oh yeah. When you got guys, when you have your guys doing that consistently, um, I believe that the culture's strong. So um, props to you guys, man. It sounds like you guys, you know, you guys are doing a tremendous job. Uh, Coach had mentioned yesterday about you know the, y- y'all's record last year, so you know things are going well, man. I I, I wish you guys number success, man. I think you guys are on the right track, and obviously with the the culture classroom, that's that's another tremendous uh, thing that you guys are doing as well. Oh man, we're we're just a bunch of d- two dudes that uh, 
love having an influence on people and uh, just like talking culture and, and talking ball and it works out. You know, we're in, we're in two parts of the country. I'm in the south and he's in the middle of the frozen tundra in Iowa half the season, it seems like. So it's fun. Yeah. Hey, the, yeah. The, the plains hardens people, you know. It's like, like life in the desert. Like the desert can break you or it can harden you. I mean, I feel like that's what the plains is like also. Uh, I think the, the last message that you sent there, Coach, and I don't think you even really meant to say it, but if you're one of the coaches that's struggling how to you know, keep creative tension on your team, turn it over to your players. It's another form yeah. of leadership. But at the same time, if your players can manage it and if they set the expectations and they can put pressure on other people, positive peer pressure, isn't that what we're after? Absolutely. No, Absolutely. And you know what? It goes back to, you know, and honestly, it goes back to, you know, I was reading some, some, some culture articles lately, but, you know, giving your, your, your people, like, so for instance, like in a business employees or, or on a team like the players, but giving them some, you know, responsibility, um, that always builds up, you know, morale because, you know, they feel like they have an input in what's going on, you know, and why not? I mean, we want these, we want these individuals to end up, or we want them to be leaders, not only while they're in the building, but when they get out of the building. So, I mean, if we don't give them the rein sometimes to lead and, and orchestrate things, then how can we expect them to ever become leaders? You know, they're just going to be followers on what we say. So I, I always believe in, um, you know, giving them, you know, some, some freedom in the fact that, like, you know, you're going to have some responsibility in choosing this. You're going to have some responsibility doing that. Like, two of our two of our group leaders, I mean, we met before the, the, the offseason even started just to kind of chop it up. And, you know, I wanted them to come up with, with certain um, – you know, certain pillars of our group, you know, like you're going to have some say in this. Like, I mean, it's not just me. It's not my group. It's our group. So um, they got to have some say in it. Right. That's just like with kids and JT, we talked about this on a previous episode is with leaders within your group. Obviously you need to give tools to the kids that are leaders, but then the kids that are not the leaders need to understand how to be led. And that's why it's, it's huge to have, uh, those leadership talks and understand and identify who your leaders are of your group. And then obviously of who you're uh, of your team, uh, as you go in year in and year out is it, whether it's a senior or junior or a sophomore, it doesn't matter. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, to have those, to have those talks and to have those classes. And that was something that we implemented this spring with some leadership classes. Um, it was, it was really good. You know, I mean, can't teach leadership in six weeks, but, uh, at least we got something in in the time frame that we that we had allotted, and um, you know we we had the opportunity to to go in there and teach these guys certain leadership traits. And you know, being in a military town, you know, we have one of the, the largest uh, military bases here in Fort Bragg. I mean, you know, there's a lot of military personnel. We have a few guys on staff that um, were former military, so to have those guys come in and teach some classes. I mean, some of these guys have have led you know thousands of people. So for them to come in and offer insight on leadership, I mean, who better to ask? Who better to teach these classes? So um, it was a lot of fun. The guys got some stuff out of it. And to watch, you know, some of these guys implement it in their daily, you know, their day-to-day life, especially down the stretch of the semester, and for that to, to, to work for them positively was really cool to see. And, I, you know, it was, it was just awesome to be around it. I learned a lot from it. Yeah. Well, Coach, that's uh, going to do it for us tonight. Uh, we appreciate you coming on and taking time out of your your summer, uh, as that's precious uh, to a lot of educators. 
uh, of just jumping on with us uh, for the last hour and and talking about how you make Jack Britt uh, a better high school uh, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Well, uh, I I more than appreciate this opportunity, guys. It was it's been a lot of fun um, chatting with you guys, and uh, I you know I, I continue you know I look forward to continuing to just build relationships with you two and and you know talk about whether it's culture or, or football or whatever the case may be. Um, I really appreciate you guys, and uh, you know this has been a lot of fun. All right, JT, that was uh, Justin Grandinetti from Jack Britt High School in Fayetteville, North Carolina. What a lot of input he has and a lot of influence he has at Jack Britt uh, with the players he coaches and the coaches that he's around every day of how he uh, just builds relationships with those guys and then even the handwritten notes that he writes. Uh, to college coaches that comes in, he he's making a difference definitely in high school athletics in, in North Carolina. Absolutely. Great promoter of the game, great promoter at all the different levels, and then bringing them all together. I mean, that takes a really unique skill set. I think one of the things that I took away, and I could listen to Coach Grandinetti all day, but it's so funny, Coach Weaver, how all the conversations we have with different leaders and people in coaching and teaching – they all go back to the same buckets. It's the relationship bucket and then the leadership bucket. And if you can get those things working together, then the championship bucket takes care of itself. That's right. Power of the ships, baby. Yeah. Uh, well, we've been in the classroom talking about creative tension today. And, uh, again, appreciate all the followers that have jumped on and joined us on our journey. And uh, Coach Weaver and I are just blown away by by the response that we've had from people wanting to get better and grow as individuals and leaders and to help take their teams to the next level. Right. If you have an idea about what you want to hear from the culture classroom, you want to hear from us, uh, let us know, send us a, a shout out on Twitter or give us a DM at our personal accounts. And uh, maybe we'll uh, contact you and you'll be on the next episode of the culture classroom. GameStrat is the number one choice for football coaches looking for the most reliable and advanced sideline replay system on the market. More coaches are switching to GameStrat because it simply works when it's supposed to work. And unlike other systems, GameStrat is simple to set up and use, delivers the fastest video transfer times in the industry, gives you the most tagging capabilities, and has the best game day support. Choose GameStrat for your game day needs.